Hi, I'm Sherry Fellow, the founder of Bloombase. And I'm Allison Lochran, Bloombase partner in crime. Welcome to the Power Two podcast. On this podcast, you will hear women discussing how, when, and why they feel powerful, and when they don't, how to get there. Power Two is personal power, the ability to choose our own states and behaviors. Our intent with this podcast isn't just to have a great conversation. Our intent is really to create a space that opens up possibilities and may even change behaviors. So welcome to Power Two. Welcome to the Power Two podcast, episode two. I'm Sherry Fella. And I'm Allison Lochran. We are so excited to be back here again today. Podcast day has now become our favorite day uh, of, of the week or the month. Let me start by saying a huge thank you to Kent Vernon, our brilliant audio engineer who made us sound so amazing on our first episode and his recording studio, The Utility Room. He has been coaching us through our first Power 2 podcast, and he's hosting us again. So thank you to him. And also a huge thank you to everyone who listened to the first podcast episode and for your feedback, your energy, your your sharing of the podcast. We were both just really blown away, and we look forward to much more of that. So thank you all again. Yes, thank you. And today in the studio, we get to tackle a complex and tough topic, uh, mental health. This topic was actually inspired by one of our listeners. She reached out and wanted to take a courageous step to own her voice in a way she hasn't before. And we're honored to have Dana Stelsel join us today. And Dana's with us today because it was important to her to share her story and to find her own courageous voice to talk openly about her battle with depression and how she finds her own power to walk through the darkness. Hi, ladies. Hey. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So, Dana, can we just start with, since this is the Power To podcast, can we just start with what does power mean to you? What does that word mean? How does it feel? Let's start there, and then we'll get into the specifics. Yeah, so— I thought the title of your podcast, Power 2, was interesting. And so I loved episode one. And when I think about the word power in general, I think control, I think influence, and I think authority. Mm. But it's funny, in getting ready to come here tonight, when I thought about my power, Mm -hmm. I actually don't think about any of those things. Hmm. I have levels of control, influence, and authority because of certain roles I have in my life. So I'm a wife and mother. That gives me a level of power. I'm a director at work. That gives me a level of power. But when I think about my true power and what it is and where it comes from, it is about believing in myself and making very deliberate choices for me. Interesting. That's fantastic. I know. That's interesting because when you started talking about it, the words that you use conjure up things in my head that sort of still seem very, um, I don't want to say negative, but definitely strong and overbearing maybe. But the way that you describe it, that, yeah, I have those things. And they're all parts of the different roles that I play, and that doesn't have to be negative. 
I thought that was a really mm. interesting way to describe to describe it. Even though those words that you used to describe it initially sort of maybe go, ooh, like control and they so don't sound positive, but mm. we all have those. Mm-hmm. And they're based on status and achievement. Like I have worked hard to have those. <laughs> right, right. Right. But when I think about my real power, it's not those things. It's something way deeper. Hmm. Interesting. Where do you feel your power? Where do I feel my power? It's way deeper. Where's the deep place it comes from, do you think? Oh, it is deep within my soul. It is my very being. It is my heart and mind Mm -hmm. and how it all works together. You're kind of sitting here now from this place of very zen and very comfortable talking about where your power is coming from. I would ask to to go back to what made you send that email mm. and took you back to that place where you're like, wow, I I was not always here. And I would love for people to know that you can be in that, that place with no power and feel powerless mm-hmm. and get to this place. Well, I, I'll add, I, I'm still not always here. Mm. This is a daily struggle that I have been going through for over two decades. So when I listened to Power 2, Episode 1, and you talked about power and you talked about powerlessness, and that resonated so strongly with me because I feel both extremes quite often and quite unexpectedly. I started having symptoms of depression when I was 14. Did you know that that's what it was at 14? I had no idea what it was. I didn't have a term for it. And that's what really precipitated me contacting you at 11 o'clock at night (laughs) after listening Mm -hmm. to your podcast because... This isn't something that is talked about enough, in my opinion. And looking back at 37 years old, had it been more openly discussed in my community, in my schools, in my home, my life could have been very different. Mm. And more than anything, I want other women, men, teenagers to know that they are not alone by a long shot. There are so many people who struggle with mental health, but there's such a stigma around that and what it means. People don't understand it. And that stigma silenced me for, well, until today (laughs) in a lot of ways. Yeah. I feel so honored you're here. It's such an important—topic's not even the right word. It's such an important real health issue that we all need Mm -hmm. to just embrace Mm -hmm. and accept, just like we do so many other health issues, especially for women, I think. And I love that you included men and every—it's— 
it's not discriminatory. Right. <laughs> right. But I feel like women have so many things already stacked up against them, especially in the workplace. It's hard to let one more thing out of the bag, mm-hmm. um, especially given the stigma. So, so what has that felt like to you, the stigma? And what do you want it to feel like? I don't even know if that's the right question, but how how do we begin to shift that? Yeah. Well, for a really long time, really until the last few years, maybe the last five years, have have I been able to accept this part of me because mm. I was so deeply ashamed by it. Mm. Part of it because I didn't understand it for a really long time. I didn't think of it as illness. Mm. I thought that it was a weakness and not something that I wanted to let other people see. Mm -hmm. So as a teenager, I built up these really strong defenses around me. I internalized everything, and I didn't tell anybody. I didn't Mm -hmm. tell a single person until I was 28, and that was my husband, because we wanted to have children, and we both knew our marriage was not going to make it. Mm. That was a really real moment when you're looking at the person you've committed your life to, and you both know that something is wrong, and it was this guard I had put up around myself for so long to keep the depression inside and not let anyone see it. Hmm. How did how did he accept that and manage it? He was fantastic. I, I asked that because I don't know what I would do if I, you know, mm-hmm. a spouse came to me and to, so that's gonna be and, and this is this is part of maybe part of the stigma, maybe part of the we don't talk about it enough. He knew something was off. My closest friends, my parents, they knew from when I was little that something was off, but they didn't know how to talk about it, and they didn't know what to do. When I told my husband, we were actually in therapy. I didn't tell him in our house. It -hmm. took us going to see a therapist Mm -hmm. for me to feel like, I can say this out loud. I had never said it out loud. I had never heard myself say, I think I'm depressed. I think really bad things sometimes. Mm. And I think for him, it connected some things. He thought, okay, you're starting to make sense. Mm-hmm. Some of some of the, the some of your behaviors, um, you shutting me out. Um, shutting down when really emotional things are happening in our lives. Um, So he has been really supportive, and I'm really grateful to him for that. Dana, I'm just sitting here in awe of you. I'm like, I want to ask so many questions, but all I can do is sit here and go, I know. Can we just all one cry for a minute because you're such a badass? I don't even mean cry out of 
sadness, although I feel lots of empathy and compassion for that. I'm crying because I'm so inspired. Like, I can't imagine what it felt like to be in that room and to finally hear yourself say that out loud. Mm -hmm. And never mind with anyone else in the room with you, you know, therapist or husband or whatever, what have you. And I just hope when people are listening to that, I just can't imagine what it ha- what happens for them when they hear you say that and them go, oh, my God, I've never said it out loud either, mm-hmm. you know? So I just had to say, oh, my God, I just, I'm so glad we're having this discussion. I'm so grateful for you for having enough courage, too, so we can shift the dynamic here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I love, I want to take back what I said before about we have to talk about this health issue. I don't like that. I don't mean that. <laughs> We have to talk about a part of our health that's important to all of us. We all have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. They're just on a different spectrum. Mm-hmm. And and when you say yeah. I feel, yeah. story. I feel, Absolutely. I feel powerful and powerless. I'm like, just as I felt on the steps earlier today. <laughs> it's true. Sidebar, that might be its own podcast. Um, we all have that. We have yeah. different language for it. We have different coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think, too often when we can't explain something, we like to put it in a box so we don't have to deal with it. And there are lots of people numbed out in homes and companies all over the country. But we don't see anything wrong with that because they look like they're functional. Mm-hmm. So I'm just so glad we're having a conversation. So my question for you in that moment was that, did you get that sense of, oh, God, I've, I've really unburdened myself. I can, you know, figure this out and move on from here? Or was it sort of like, shit, I've got to start something? It was step one. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I. it definitely felt, light, felt lighter because I thought, oh, I can finally talk about this with someone. But it wasn't. Like I was suddenly open to telling everyone and talking about it all the time. It's still very difficult to talk about. It's getting easier as I share Mm. this part of myself with more people. But even sitting here today, most people in my life don't know this about me. Mm. Because I'm so afraid of their reaction. I'm so afraid of them. Not that not that I think they would judge me. I don't want them to look at me different. I don't mm-hmm. want them to question if I can handle mm-hmm. certain things, especially as a career woman. Yeah. Right. Like it would diminish you in some way. Right. Yeah. Because women, I work in a male-dominated industry already. By the way, what industry isn't male dominated? Right. Every time. It's so true. I know. Let's just make that what, assumption. Are, but, what yeah. room are you ever in where you're not the only woman in the room? Mm-hmm. Unless you're in the girls' in board meeting, like I was saying. Yeah, or a bloom base. Pretty much. Yeah. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. But so male yeah, male dominated. Uh, women women mm-hmm. who are trying to climb the career ladder and uh, we already face so many obstacles already. Mm-hmm. As a working mom, I, that just adds on more pressure and more challenges for us. Uh, so do I want this mental health stuff that I've been struggling with for so long to come into the room with me? No. Mm-hmm. 
But what I've discovered in the last couple of years is it's already there because it's already, I want to say damage, but it's impacting me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see it in my career until the last few years. Interesting. And what was it? Mm-hmm. What was it that made you see it? Do you know? I was getting feedback mm-hmm. from work. Um, and at different places, I was getting the same feedback that I was kind of closed off. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, yeah, if you only knew. <laughs> I wasn't maybe always emotionally present. And it's because in my personal life, um, which I thought I could keep the two separate, in my personal life, I had built up such big walls around me to keep the depression in Mm -hmm. or to keep all of those struggles in and not let them seep into the world for other people to see that it was really impacting how I could be present in in the room with a lot of people because there's some anxiety going on there too. Be present— just owning my space as a as a young woman mm-hmm. in a room full of men, really smart men, mm-hmm. and feeling like I bring value uh, to the table, right? So mm-hmm. if in my brain for 20-plus years I'm telling myself I'm worthless, I'm nothing, I don't belong here, there's no way you can shut that out <laughs> and not bring that to work with you. Right. It wasn't every day that I thought that, but, you know, it was varying degrees of that. Uh, it's hard to shut the recording off. been in the world, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about it comes in the room with me anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like all of our strings do, just like all of our stuff does, whatever that is. I wish we could begin to change the conversation around this as, how is it your superpower? Like when I, just thinking that. Get out of my head, Allison. Because when, when I think about the energy and tenacity and perseverance and persistence it must have taken you to keep your walls up. Right. That's a freaking superpower. Now, I get it may not have served you well in some capacities. It doesn't make it any less of a superpower. You know, x-ray vision isn't always a superpower. <laughs> Uh, for good, I mean, it's always a superpower, but it has its pros and, and challenges. And so I think about so many things you've talked about, and it's no different than other stuff we're all dealing with. I mean, I think about my own episode with mental illness, and I think back to that time, and it's what saves me and bolsters me time and time again. Absolutely. I feel that quite often where mm. I've seen this as— a lot of ways as a weakness, like there's something wrong with me mm-hmm. and I, I can't even control it. You know, I wish I could just take it out of my head and it not exist anymore. I wish I could cure it. Mm-hmm. But then in a lot of ways, it's it makes me stronger. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I'm having a really hard time, usually at work, something at work, really challenging, difficult situation, I think, oh, man. You don't even know. Right. I am so strong. I can—this <laughs> is nothing. I'm about to open I'm my still, can of whoop-ass. Yeah. 
I'm still here. I make that choice right. all the time to still be wow. here. I so, <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. Like when you talk about it being a superpower, like you would think you don't even know what I go through on a daily basis. Like this, what you got here in this work environment. That's nothing. Yeah. The resiliency that I kind of, I'm proud of it, but it's not something that I can be like, oh, if you only knew, because. You don't open your meetings well, since because I'm depressed. (laughs) What? You don't start your meetings well. But I love love how that, though, can start to change the recording you had before, Mm -hmm. which was, I'm weak, I'm damn it, Mm -hmm. I can't remember your exact language, Mm but to, I bring it mm-hmm. i yeah. have i have stood so many tests day in and day out that this will not break me there's so many other things that almost did mm-hmm. like that is a superpower and i wish we could we are going to talk about it not i wish we're going to talk about it differently <laughs> from this point on that's what i hope yeah. other people are listening to this i mean have you had your own situations allison where you felt on the edge of something like that, maybe not to the pattern that, of course, Dana has noticed in her life, but I feel like we've all been on the edge of different things, right? I think so. But to your point, what's acceptable to say and what's not, that's where I am still in awe of you for having this conversation Mm -hmm. so openly because I hope we get to the point where that, what we're talking about with Dana is as acceptable as at a file bankruptcy this week. I mean, doesn't that sound stupid when it comes out of my mouth that it's okay to say that and not say, <laughs> I'm really struggling right. with depression today, and I just want to be honest about it. Like, you know, I have a dear friend fighting breast cancer right now, Unicorn Power, shout mm-hmm. out to her. Mm-hmm. And and that's permissible to be open about that as much as she right. wants to. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to change the conversation and what's acceptable around this. Well, it's so misunderstood, mental health in general. It's so misunderstood. And it's like when you don't talk about it, then you kind of make up stories about Mm. what it really is and who has it and what that means for that person. And I'm a living, breathing example of someone who lives with it because it doesn't go away for me. It's different for every person. I'm not the poster child for right. mental health. Yeah. Um, I live with it, and it took me a long time to understand or to realize that it's not me. It's not my identity. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a part of me. I accept it now. So I'm willing to share it because who gives a damn? What's the worst that can happen? Right. Right. Exactly. I'm here and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to make the choice again to still Mm -hmm. be here. (laughs) That was a high five. So what is that? What does that choice look like to you? That was one of the things you said in our emails that, you know, when we talk on this podcast about we want we want to enlighten, hopefully shift some thinking or open up possibility for people. So when you say, I choose this every day to walk through the darkness to the mm-hmm. other side, mm-hmm. what does a choice look like for you just on a daily basis? Because I think sometimes we think these choices need to be these big epiphanies and I changed my life. And sometimes it's just, you know, what? I took a shower today. Pretty happy about that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes so, that's a win. Yeah. Some, 
You know, yeah. um, I think during really dark periods, because those still exist for me, mm-hmm. um, it is not get not quitting. I make a choice every day, and on my really darkest days, that choice is not quitting. It is to go to bed and wake up again. Hmm. That's powerful. Seriously. To hear someone say that, that's powerful. Yeah. And it's so difficult sometimes. Sometimes my choice, I think in the last, you know, eight years or so, my choice is I'm going to talk to my husband about this today. Mm. And that's a big win because Mm -hmm. then I feel better. And then my road to recovery during that episode is much quicker. Mm. And then some days it's just, I'm not going to listen to that today. Mm. I have too much to do. Mm. I'm going to do big things today. And it's not going to be listening to that voice in my head. Yeah. Most days it's that voice. Yeah. You know, it's that, listen, (laughs) I don't have time for you. I got shit to do. I got shit to do. <laughs> Shut the hell up. I got shit to do. And yet that's, to hear it sounds simple, but that's not an easy choice. That's probably a choice you make over and over again that day. It is because when when it's something like mental health and it's in your head and it's with you all the time, it can have a lot of power over you. Mm. And that's when I feel powerless, Right. So I have to, in those moments, dig really deep and pull out that resiliency that I know is in there because I believe so strongly in myself, largely because I have come this far Mm -hmm. on my own, that I just know I can do it. You've built the resiliency mm-hmm. in yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to ask. You mentioned eight years for specifically. Was there some? Was there a catalyst, or was there just a time where you were just like, I, I can't be always in this place, and mm-hmm. I have to regain some power over this part of my life? So certainly, um, when I told my husband, that was mom- a mm-hmm. big moment for me. But um, it was. It was step one. It it wasn't a huge step. And so my breaking point, I mean, yeah. biggest breaking point was after I had my first child. Mm. And I was, I knew I was having postpartum depression because I knew I had depression. I knew, mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew mm. what it was. Mm-hmm. And I was in it for a good five months. My son was probably six months old before I started to feel like myself again. I was in a really scary place. Mm -hmm. And that caused a whole new level of shame. Mm. Oh, yeah. Feeling that as a mother. The fact that you can say that that I, I totally understand how that could just put you from maybe at a precipice, like just down, way, way down. Yeah, I was I was not prepared because um, 
right up until I delivered, I was on cloud nine. We had tried so hard for that baby. I had had um, two miscarriages before him. So I was just so mm-hmm. thankful and grateful mm-hmm. and, and you know, prayed and thanked God all the time for this baby. No one can see you, but you're like, yeah. <laughs> to go home and it was like a switch. All of that joy that I had been feeling for so long it was com- it was depleted, mm-hmm. and then I felt like, what's what's, what's wrong, wrong with me? me? I shouldn't be a mother. I shouldn't have this baby. I I'm not good for him. He. I need to be gone from here because I'm going to ruin this child. I don't deserve to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't talk about it to anyone. I say I couldn't. I could have. Um, I chose not to because what I was hearing from, I have two older sisters, my best friend, everyone who had kids, I only heard, don't you just love this stage? You get to be home with them. And isn't it the best? God, I'm I wanted to go back so to work hard. so bad. Mm, and I, and, I and I felt like I couldn't. I couldn't say that to anyone because it made me, quote unquote, a bad mom. Hmm. And that's the part that felt heavier than the the depression you had felt until that point. It was like a new layer. New layer. It didn't feel heavier. Got it. It was a whole new layer that I was not prepared for. Mm-hmm. And the two working together just completely overwhelmed oh, me. Oh my god. A picture. Yeah. That's such a great visual. Like they tag teamed you. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It did. Right. Yeah. I called my husband. I um, stayed home from work. My my son was at daycare and I was just in a really depressed state. I didn't go to work that day. And I called him and I was pacing my living room. Hmm. And he answered the phone. Of course, he's at work. And I just started bawling and he starts panicking what's wrong are you okay it's like no I hurt so bad and I cannot live like this anymore and that was my moment when I thought I I can't keep doing this and it was still um it was still many years later before I actually sought treatment. Many years after mm-hmm. that episode, even. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Wow. Did you ever hear of any other of your friends or anyone that had postpartum depression after that time or no. talk to anyone? Yeah, that's Why such a I, great question. Because you know that. it has. Yes. Exactly. It's like it has to be all peaches and roses, you know? Mm. I'm stunned that you found a way through that abyss yes. with both of those things tag-teaming you. I am too, honestly. Yeah. Um. Honestly, it wasn't just me. Mm. I was, I think— there was a higher power involved and 
had to be. Um, I don't know how I've lasted this long without him. Mm. You're pretty badass. Thank you. I have to say. (laughs) Seriously. Um, You know, it's so, I'm going back to that moment when you said to your husband in therapy, Mm -hmm. you know, first time you heard your own voice say that about yourself and the fact that you had, you know, the support of him and your therapist. And when I was in my own dark room, I think of all the women who didn't have the support because I feel, too, I didn't get myself out of that room. It was the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that's how you felt. For me, it was a higher power of a collection of things because I felt I had no power at all. So I feel like there are so many women in particular who go through that process of creating this life and all the expectations that come with it and how they're supposed to react. And then I loved your question, Allison. Did anyone talk to you about it? No. Well, everyone told me how great it was. <laughs> no one told me, oh, my God, do you want to run out of the hospital right now? You know, right. or anything that was a different version of that. Mm-hmm. It's not to say there aren't women out there that absolutely love that problem. I'm glad. It doesn't make anything make you anything wrong with you if you didn't have that same experience. And I just hope we have a different it's conversation. It's interesting to hear you say that, not being a parent. Like, that you're very accepting of the fact that there might be a struggle around that. Yeah. Because I feel like among mothers, particularly, we judge ourselves very harshly. And other mm-hmm. people judge us very harshly. Even people who aren't related to us yeah. or have any, you know, people will say the craziest shit to you in a parking lot if they think that you're not being a good parent. Yeah. There is so much judgment heaped upon you. And then if you're mm-hmm. from a family of origin, such as you and I, where your sisters are like these earth mothers, who are like, I love to be pregnant. <laughs> and they're like producing, you know, milk to feed like enough humans in the state of Indiana and you can't like get your... T- child to stop crying because you can't produce enough breast milk Mm -hmm. to keep them alive you know it's a very different Mm -hmm. experience but you don't have any frame of reference for that because no one really talks about it Mm -hmm. because there's this whole idea of what motherhood's supposed to look like Mm -hmm. I, i feel like that shift is coming a little bit from people like Glennon who stands up on a stage and is like, look, all kids are assholes. My kid's an asshole, your kid's an asshole. Like, <laughs> they have their moments right. and we need to allow them to be. But to be able to say that back then, I, I remember pushing the stroller around my neighborhood. My child was screaming in my face, basically probably because she was hungry and I was starving her to death because <laughs> I wasn't making producing any breast milk. And I was like, this child hates me. Why am I here? Mm. There, there's no reason for me to be here. Yeah. I mean, I've never been through that. So to to understand where that place looks like and coupled with what you were already challenged with, like I'm just sitting here horrified, cannot even imagine what it must have been like for you to even get out of that place. Mm-hmm. I just can't even imagine. I can't imagine. I can't, you know, not only getting through that that time, but then how do you find normalcy again? So you get through it. Then how do you go back? How did you find your way back to Dana as you know her today? Oh, or gosh. I know it's still a process. Yeah. It is but, a process. You know, probably ever-changing one. But how did you get back, back to, to that, it? go from powerlessness back into that place where you felt like you had control again? Well, I never— there's some illusion of it. Right. <laughs> no, there's no normalcy. Yeah. Right. I never—I never wanted to stop trying. 
So even though I regularly felt like I was failing, my mama didn't raise no quitter. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And I just wasn't willing to throw in the towel. I thought, well, gosh, I failed today. And let's be clear, it wasn't failing, Mm -hmm. but in my brain, it was failing. Mm -hmm. Every misstep, every mistake, every small thing to me feel like big failures. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll just, I'll keep trying. I have to for my kid, you know, I have to for him and my husband and my parents. But not you, huh? Never for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, and this is part of the work in progress. I'm I'm just now at 37 dealing with this for so long. I am just now in a place where I'm starting to love myself. Mm. Because it's never been for me. And Sherry, I actually have you to thank for getting me on that path hmm. because I never thought I could make choices for me. I thought everything had to be about everyone else and that my value and my worth was about what other people thought it was and not what I thought it was. I'm so glad you know that now. I do, but I still work on it. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) All of us are, right? Um, What was the turning point for you? Mm -hmm. Where you started to not be as other-focused and could see you at least a little bit in that picture of mattering. Yeah, so I kept running into the same situation in, um, usually at work, but also at home, where I was just feeling frustrated all the time. I was feeling disrespected. I just wasn't feeling happy, um, even in my, you know, not being, not feeling depressed. I just mm-hmm. wasn't happy. I always had this tension in me. And one of our early conversations, Sherry, was... I was explaining this to you, and I said, I can't understand it. Why am I always frustrated with people? My grandmother was a very angry woman, so I kind of <laughs> wondered if I just got it from her. <laughs> just, it's, it's just biological. Fair. Yeah, yeah, just genetic. 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 I can't control it. <laughs> and you said to me, Dana, what if you choose not to feel that way? And I think I started crying. It was it was transformative for me because I didn't know I had a choice. I had never thought about my how I felt about things to be a choice. I thought, well, that person said something and it pissed me off. Now I'm angry. And yeah. I'm going to be angry all day and I'm going to stew on it. And I'm going to think about what I should have said. And every time I think about them, I'm going to be angry. Right. <laughs> For the next six months, mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. And when I started to um, reframe it as everything is a choice, not only my behaviors, which are clearly choices, when I started to reframe it as 
It's more than that. It's also how that how a person or a situation makes me feel and my emotional reaction to it and how I cope with it changed everything. That's so huge. Mm-hmm. And that has allowed me to start to make room to love myself mm-hmm. and to make choices for me because I'm no longer just taking all the feelings from other people and and those situations. I'm, I feel it for a second. I evaluate it. And then I put it aside and I move on. So do you get that happiness now? I do. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like we should have a standing ovation. <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. <laughs> um, when you reached out, have we have we covered the things that were most important for you to have said, expressed? Is there yeah. anything you want anyone in your shoes to know that we haven't talked about? I think more than anything, I, I just wanted people to know that you can go through dark times. You can go through any darkness. We all go through darkness. Mm-hmm. And it's within our power to keep going. So fabulous. What would you tell your self 10 years ago now standing here today if you could sit down and have a cup of coffee with 27 year old Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would have said speak up you have a voice speak up because you have nothing to lose I tell myself that all the time that's why I'm here I mean, people I right. know people in my life are going to hear this and they're going to be shocked. Mm-hmm. And I really I'm okay with that. Be shocked. And let's move on. Oh, I love that so much. I'm like slow clap. Slow clap. <laughs> you kill me. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for being you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, letting me share this. Oh, my God. So we're so honored. Yeah. So honored. So, Dana, thanks for being here with us today. And, you know, with each podcast, we want to leave listeners with a, a way to begin again, a call to action, some new insight that inspires them to take maybe a new action or approach. So I would love to hear from the two of you, what that would be for you, given our conversation tonight. So, Dana, can we start with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, I thank you for letting me share my story. Um, this, It's my story. Everyone has a different story. And my approach to recovery, um, you know, I'm not advocating that that's I've done it the best way. I certainly haven't. So I want to encourage all listeners that if you have similar feelings uh, or similar experiences to seek help and don't do what I did. (laughs) Which was wait too long or don't do what you did in terms of waiting so long for help? Don't don't try to manage it on your own. Ah, yeah. Okay. 
Allison, how about for you? I think that's what resonated with me, too, as far as the call to action. Like, give yourself more time. Time back. Feeling stronger and better about your life and your path and your prospects. That's what you're giving yourself when you choose to step forward and say, I need something outside of myself to get through this, mm-hmm. is you're giving yourself back some time. Thank you. Thank you. you know, you think what you've, you know, the things that you've been playing in your head about, even probably about coming here and putting this out to the public and the universe and feeling like you're exposing yourself and feeling vulnerable, like that to me is real power. Like Sherry said, a superpower that is such strength and it is inspiring and it's the exactly the kind of conversation I'm glad I get to have. Thank you. And I hope for our listeners they have just that hope. You know what I love your message about finding your own voice. So wherever that is for them, if they haven't found their voice yet or haven't felt safe to voice whatever it is for them, that they find a safe place to do that. Whether that begins by themselves just to say it out loud, Mm -hmm. or a therapist or a trusted friend, like just Mm -hmm. to begin there, just to start the acceptance process like you did. I think that is stunning, stunning. And if they don't think they have anyone, they can contact me. (laughs) Awesome. And you can contact us. Yes. Yeah. So we know mental health is a complex heart issue that we could talk about podcast after podcast. So for those of you listening, only you know your story. Only you know what is the right next step. Even when you don't know the answer, we hope this conversation helps you discover what's next to find your power to walk through the darkness.